Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Today, we're going to talk about informational interviews, which I know that most MBA students in business school are familiar with. And I'm excited because I have with me someone who is well-equipped to talk about this topic, and that is Ali Yaki. Ali is a USC Marshall MBA alum from the class of 2020. And not only has she had her fair share of informational interviews as an MBA student, but now as an alum, she's also given her fair of informational interviews. So she's seen both sides of the equation. And as you'll learn from her in a little bit, Ali came into business school not really having done a ton with informational interviews before, but by the end of it, she became an expert. And I think it's going to be great for all of you, particularly either your prospective or current MBA students who really want to know how to do these right uh, to get that perspective from someone. So before we jump in, first off, Ali, thank you so much for being on the MBA Insider podcast again, um, for always being a great supporter and community member in the MBA school community. And to start, could you give us a little bit about your background? And for my warm-up question, maybe tell us something about yourself that is not in your LinkedIn profile. Definitely. Happy to be here. So I started my journey in public education, actually. I spent four years in the classroom teaching high school English. It was really exciting time for me to grow in my ability to use education technology, which is actually what led me into business school. I really love technology, and I saw myself um, in that space. So that's why I applied to USC. And then through my USC experience, I figured out that Although I, I assumed that I was going to be going into product management, I actually thought that product marketing was a better fit for me. And that's what I do now. What is something that is not on my LinkedIn? I really love to bake. Every week, my team leader asks, like, what is one good thing that you did this week? And nine times out of 10, my thing is something to do with baking. <laughs> so natural next question then, what do you like to bake? I am really into banana bread right now. I'm going full quarantine right now. I'm jealous of your husband who you live with, who gets to benefit from that. And I, since I know we work together, I know who's on your team. I hope your teammates in the future also get to benefit from your baking hobby. All right, let's jump right in. I guess let's just start with, you mentioned to me before, and I know this is that you were a teacher before business school, but... I take it you weren't really doing a ton of informational interviews. So in your own words, what is an informational interview and what did it mean to you when you were an MBA student? Yeah, great question. So my thought on what an informational interview is, it's like a 15 to 30 minute chat where you have the opportunity to ask somebody questions about either their function or whatever role or company or potentially like career growth. If it's somebody that's like more of a mentoring relationship. So like it's noted as you're gathering information through an interview process, whether it's somebody that has a job that you love or somebody that, you know, is going into a similar function as you and has that insight that you need. It's just all about getting that information in, I think, a more casual 
studying with someone. I think that's a pretty great way to break it down, a pretty simple way to understand it. But talk to me a little bit more. I think you mentioned this earlier. How did you learn how to do informational interviews? I know that some people come into business school and have a little bit of a sense of it because they had to do it perhaps in their old job or in their old profession. But as you mentioned, you were a teacher and I know you didn't really have to do a lot of this. So how did you actually learn how to do one and to do it in the right way? So in public education, informational interviewing is not a thing. So prior to my interest in business school, I didn't really know what it was or how to do it or anything like that. I was lucky that I had my brother-in-law who is an MBA student when I was looking to apply to different programs. And he basically put me in contact with other students to learn more about USC. And then I obviously started doing that with other schools that I was interested in as well. And I think I just figured out how the process worked because he would be like, you might want to ask them about classes or you might want to ask them about what they're doing for their career through business school. So I really just figured out like, oh, this is really just to help me understand like what the important thing about going into business school is or what the benefits are or what the school culture is like. It's like anything that I was curious about, these people could answer if I was able to formulate some interesting um, questions and hopefully dive a little bit deeper than surface level things that you might find on a website. So I really learned how to do it I had a little bit of help, obviously, from my brother-in-law and then just practicing when I was applying to business school with any of those school touch points that I was able to get a phone call with. I think the key word that I took away from what you just said there is this idea of practice and whether that's practice in the sense of getting game time reps and actually doing these informational interviews, or if you want to, being able to practice either on your own or perhaps even with a classmate who is more familiar with it or for someone who maybe it comes more second nature. And just, I'm sure you had to lean on your classmates to do what many of the other classmates do other things. I think this definitely falls on that boat. I know from my own experience, I know from others, if you come from a culture where this is not necessarily a thing that's done frequently enough to have an understanding, I think an action item that I would give is to encourage people to find someone, perhaps someone who's more comfortable to do doing informational interviewing and practicing with them, even if it's not a real one. And this will give you a chance to fail and try things in a safe environment and also a chance for you to get feedback on what you can do to improve. And I think this, what this will do is it'll help you eventually get real game time reps, but I think that's what you want. I think it's a good thing to do, even if it's awkward, because if you've never done it before, it can feel a little bit out of the ordinary. And if it feels a little bit out of the ordinary and challenging, you may not want to do it. And then you may shy away from it. And so I think practice is the real way out of this. Yeah. And I definitely did that. Like once I was a first year, I started doing informationals with second years and they encouraged us to do that. And a lot of the like function or industry clubs was like, you should be in informational interviewing your second years to First of all, learn how to do it well. And second of all, not waste professionals time if you don't know how to do it well, because those professionals are giving up part of their day or like at the end of their day to spend time with you. And if you can't do it well, it like hurts both sides. So I think doing it with second years and getting those reps in, like you said, I think was really helpful as a first year for me. One thing I'd, I'd love for you to talk about when it comes to, as you're saying, learning how to do it, could you talk about what it was like for you in the beginning when you first started versus what it maybe was like for you at the end and by graduating? 
I, the reason why I ask is I presume you're much better now than you were at the beginning, but how did you move maybe perhaps up the curve from being a beginner to being more intermediate to being more advanced? Yeah, that's a great question. I was super bad at it at the beginning. I'm pretty sure because I'm super awkward on the phone and I just in general don't like taking phone calls. I'm like one of those millennials who will actively like try to get people to text her instead of calling her because they just don't want to get on the phone. And so getting out of that kind of mentality and realizing that you have all the power in these situations and like the other person on the other end of the line is relying on you to make the conversation fun, interesting, engaging, and not super awkward. So I couldn't be awkward to make it better for both of us. So I was unsure and very structured at the beginning. So I would write out all of my questions like for the entire 30 minutes and I would go through them like it was a script. I spent a lot of time in theater when I was a kid. So I was like, if I have a script, then I'll be okay. I can put on my informational interview like acting hat and be this business professional I was trying to be going into business school. And then I think the more that I practiced with that very strict script, where I literally just went from like question to question to question, I think I got better at doing what you're doing now, which is like listening to the other person speak, pulling out those like pieces and nuggets of information that they're saying and being able to jump off of those and make the conversation more natural and organic, which is where I developed where I am now, it feels a lot more comfortable to do it now than it did at the beginning, because I don't feel as tied to my list of questions. I feel more like I'm just having a conversation with someone. And these are the springboards that I'm using to get the information that I want, but it doesn't have to sound so scripted. Yeah. And to give yourself some credit, I do think that when you start, it does help to come in with a plan or to have an idea of what you want to learn or what you hope to get out of it. But it's an interesting process because I think if you can get to a point where you can have it come naturally, you only the way to do that, the way to get there is you, you have to almost be incredibly structured to start. And then you reverse engineer it so that once you get more comfortable, you might not actually need to have so much structure because you'll just be able to play off of the other person in the conversation. Now, I'm all for preparing. I think you should always prepare for everything. But I think when you sound more natural, when you let things come to you, uh, they tend to yield uh, really great conversations. But that said, in order to get to that point, I do think you have to start with having some more structure to begin with. And so the takeaway, I think if you're at the be more beginning stages of your journey with informational interviews, start with the structure, start with a plan and get more confident. And it's like training wheels on a bike. I think you start with the training wheels on and then eventually you become the big kid and you can ride the two wheeler. And then after that, you can move away from it. And then you can come in with some ideas of what you want to talk about or topics, but it'll just naturally come out and you'll be able to play off of the other person. Yeah. It's funny that you say it like that because of, in teaching, we call that scaffolding. So it's like you have a lot of support up th at the beginning when you're learning a skill. And as you get better at the skill, you remove the scaffolding. So my list of questions started off super long. And then the more that I progressed through my MBA experience and like into my professional career, the shorter the list of questions became because they didn't really need as much support because I felt better in, in actually conducting the conversations. So two things there before we move on. Number one, Ali, you were the person who taught me what scaffolding was. So thank you and good call out. But number two, 
I was going to say the point you made about being able to ask better questions. That is what I think one of the reasons why informational interviews are critical and important, whether that's better questions to ask yourself or better questions to ask the next in person that you talk to. I think if you can get to that point, that is one of the goals of the informational interview, because when you ask better questions, it means you have a better understanding and you're yielding more insights or thoughts. And it's almost like this continuous feedback loop that a question yields an insight yields a thought and a thought yields another question. And you keep going until you get into a direction you want to go in. And so I just love the point about you made about being to ask better and more thoughtful questions. Awesome. All right. So let's talk a little bit about you did all these interviews, you got better at them. And on that notion, how did this actually translate into tangible progress for you? How did these things help you? And why was it valuable to spend a lot of time doing these, particularly knowing all the other priorities you could have on your plate in business school? Oh yeah. My list of informational interviews was extensive when I was a first year. I cannot even tell you how many of them that I did because I don't remember because the number is so big. Pre-MBA, they helped me figure out what school I wanted to go to. I feel like that's a pretty easy one to understand. As a first year, though, I feel like they helped me understand what my skill set was, what are the potential functions that I could even look into. Because coming from public education, it's like I had an idea of what corporate life was like, and I had some idea of what functions were out there because my brother-in-law was in getting his MBA, so I had some like points of reference. But I really didn't understand what would be a good fit for me, and being that sort of like career switcher, like you don't know what you don't know. I hate to use that phrase, but I really didn't know what was available to me. And so the informationals that I did as a first year really helped me figure out where to target my attention and what my be like best path forward was. I mentioned like in my intro, like I had originally wanted to go into product management throughout my informational kind of search. I also thought at one point I wanted to go into finance if you read my Poets and Quant article, I wanted to go into med tech, biotech marketing. I wanted to do a whole host of things when I was like a first year, first semester. The, the more that I progressed through that first semester, I really helped, the informationals helped me figure out where I wanted to go and what to spend my attention on, which is why they were so beneficial, even if there were so many of them until I figured that out. <laughs> Maybe just as a follow-up, Allie, you mentioned you did a lot of these, and that certainly takes a lot of time. And it was it as simple as you did an interview and you got you the thing you needed and then you moved on? Were some better than others? Were some yielding so much insight that others were yielding nothing? Talk to me a little bit more about that. Oh, yeah. You can put as much energy and like structuring and like trying to create a good informational with somebody, but like sometimes you just don't get that good energy or good vibe back from someone and informationals can just they can be painful, to be honest, like, you can put all that work and try to make them fun and engaging. But like some people just don't take the bait. <laughs> so there were bad ones. There were ones where I would do it, I would like maybe get some of the insight that I was looking for, and then send a follow up email. Thank you for your time. I learned this and this, but I would probably never have touched base after that. Other ones were a lot more productive. And I felt almost like they became like a mentor to me and I continued to check in with them and met with them on multiple occasions and built like more of a strong relationship with them rather than, because informationals can seem transactional sometimes. And if it's, if you're there just to gather information and you didn't click with them and that's all you wanted, then fine. But if you can turn it into something that is a stronger foundation for a professional relationship with somebody or like more of a mentor relationship, I think that's even a more powerful thing to do 
with your informational. They're not all great, but when they are, like definitely keep those people in your corner. That's a great insight. And not to push my agenda too much here, but part of the reason why I wanted to ask the question is because I think selfishly, sometimes one of the things that I see is that it's this approach of either I am treating it like a checklist and that as long as I do it, then I'm good. Or I also see it treated as uh, almost like a, if I do X interview, it will yield Y outcome. And it doesn't always work out like that. I, the way that I like to think about it is that it is an investment in this regard. Because to your point, sometimes they're not going to go anywhere. And sometimes it's not going to really work out. And sometimes you're going to strike out. But other times you're going to hit a single or a double or a triple or a home run. And so it is a little bit of an investment. And I want to make that point because sometimes I see students or even my own friends get caught up in this notion of, all right, I have on my to-do list, I know I need to do all of these informational interviews. And as long as I do them, I'm fine. Or if I do them, then all will be fine. And from my experience, at least, it doesn't always work that way. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think if you're using it like a checklist, then it's not going to be fun for you. It's not going to be fun for the other person. Probably you might be a great like Oscar winning actor, but they're still going to tell that it's pretty transactional a lot of the time. I think informational interviews should be conducted when you have genuine curiosities and like really want to understand something about a company, a function, a role, whatever that you couldn't find online somewhere. And all the better if you can formulate a relationship with somebody. Okay, great. So what I want to do now is now that we've talked about what informational interviews are, how you've learned about them, how you got better at them, and how they've really helped you progress in your own career, I want to flip it. And now that you're an alum, you're on the other side of these informational interviews and you're involved in many informational interviews. So I'd love to know... What are some of the things that now that you're on the other side of the table, now that you have a different perspective, a different vantage point, what do you notice about informational interviews? So I'm, I'm incredibly type A. So I look at it as, are they doing all the things that I did when I was informational interviewing? And can I tell if they're doing it? That's like my first note. I look for people who like me are like always on time for things in this like work from home setting that we're in right now. If you're in that virtual room early, you're definitely going to impress me in normal times. If it was like an in-person coffee chat, which I had some of those like a second as a second year, if somebody was there like waiting in the cafe for me, I was like, yes, you are great. If it's like a scheduled phone call, obviously don't call a person early because you like agreed upon a time, but like call on time and be there and be ready. And then as a dovetail to that, be on time is like the first signal that somebody is doing the work. And I think the next step of doing the work is like doing the research. And that is really obvious to me and the type of questions that they ask me. So if it's stuff that you can read about me online, like I'm very active on LinkedIn. I have a lot of articles that I wrote when I was an MBA intern. I have podcasts with you. I have, there's plenty of stuff that you can read about me. If I have to go over my basic intro of like how I went from teaching to tech, I am like, there's so many ways that I wrote about that or talked about that here on the podcast. I would really like 
to see like when people come prepared and oh like I read about you or oh I listened to this thing I thought this was really interesting let's use that as a springboard it's pretty obvious like when somebody comes prepared and trolled me on LinkedIn and when other when they haven't and I think you get deeper more interesting questions when they do that versus like very surface level questions yeah that like doing your research and making sure that your questions are interesting and engaging obviously like just being like a nice person I'm more introverted. Like I'm not asking you to be somebody super peppy and like engaged and like all of that. If you have a more mellow personality, that's fine. I want to see if you're genuine who you are. I think I touched on this earlier, but I think they just missed the mark for me if they feel transactional. If you're just here because you feel like you need to be here, check that box or do an informational interview to like potentially get an internship where I work. Like I'm going to be able to tell. I've done so many of them at this point that it's like very obvious to me. Those people that are here to get genuine information and like potentially a genuine like connection. And here people are just here because they want something from me. Remind yourself that like professionals, whoever they are, are taking time out of their day or talking to you after a long work day to be with you and be courteous about that. And then obviously once that conversation is over, you're, you did your research, you were nice, you asked really interesting, engaging question, make sure that you follow up. Those are the ones that really are standouts to me because they all ask me like at the end of the informational piece of advice that you would give me yada yada and I'm always like follow up with people that you do this with like please like it's important to remain in contact with people I always tell them follow up with me on a regular basis tell me what you're up to whether you're interviewing here or interviewing somewhere else like I can help and I want to know what's going on with you I, I just feel way better when it doesn't have that like transactional feeling because they follow up after and they seem like genuine about it so let's unpack that a little bit, because I think there's a lot there that's great. First and foremost, I heard is really about the importance of doing your homework and being prepared, which, by the way, let's delineate. Um, doing your homework and being prepared versus being at the beginning stages of your learning journey and trying to learn something that is entirely new, where you don't have a lot of expertise, but you're trying to learn. There's a difference there. So let's just, we just want to be clear about that. It's one thing to ask questions because you genuinely are starting at a lower baseline versus asking questions that you could have easily found just doing a little bit of prep work. We're not suggesting that you have to be an expert to come into the conversation. There is a difference. And the other thing I would say is there's a couple other things that you mentioned, which I think are important, which is wanting to be there and genuinely being engaged. And it comes from asking the questions that you ask because you're genuinely interested versus doing it from a transactional nature. And I think the thing to remember there is just this notion of empathy and gratitude. Um, to your point, it's 20 or 30 minutes that an individual could have been spent spending, spending somewhere else. And just trying to be mindful of that and trying to make the best use of that for you and for them. And I think that's just something that you can be mindful of if you're going to ask to do an informational interview. And that's something that I think about, certainly when I ask to do informational interviews. And then I think perhaps the last thing you said, which is following up, and, and it doesn't cost a thing other than a couple minutes of time. And just a really quick story. I remember when I was in business school, I reached out to someone cold on LinkedIn, didn't have a connection, who worked at LinkedIn because I wanted to apply to an internship there. And so I got to know him a little bit over the phone and long story short, I ended up making it to the final rounds, but didn't end up getting the offer. But afterwards, I shot him a note and just said, hey, I didn't end up getting it, but I had a really great experience and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your experience for putting in a referral and for telling me about LinkedIn. 
And he wrote me back and he said something along the lines of, thanks so much for following up. Most of the people I talk to never follow up, like 95% never follow up. And so that really meant a lot. And if you ever want a referral again, where it's here or someone else, I'll be happy to do that for you. And so ever since then, I've always sent a thank you note afterwards because not everyone does it. And it's just more important than ever just to be grateful and to say thank you. Last question I have for you on this. One thing you mentioned is that you said you can tell when someone is faking it or going through the motions. Is it obvious or what's what's the giveaway? It's funny that you asked that because I do feel like it's obvious, but I only think it's obvious because I don't have as much of a beginner's mind about it anymore and I can just tell. But I think some of the tabots are like, it seems like, cold almost I don't know how to describe it It, I'm not getting anything in return like I tend to be a little bit more like gesticulous and try to be excited because I was on the other side of the table and so I realized like how weird and awkward it can be so it's good energy for you and I'm doing that in the middle of my work day or like at the end of my work day like the least you could do is like send me a bone and help me out and give me that same energy in return and then it's like the types of questions that they ask too if it's like stuff that's like so specific to like getting an internship or I don't know, what do you make? What is your, how much do you get paid? Like things that you could find on Glassdoor. It just feels one, you didn't do your your homework. And two, if you're just digging for a referral or I'm not really sure what's going on here, but I don't like the vibe. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just give an example here to what you just said. Salary is a little bit of a weird one, but let me see if we can just talk this out. So Let's compare maybe one version of how much did you make versus I was doing some research on Glassdoor. And in addition to that, I saw that the Product Marketing Alliance put out a report on average salaries for product marketers. Did you see this? And would you say from your experience that this makes sense? How would you feel like about a response like that? Oh, yeah. Question A, which is like, how much do you make is like a very abrupt, like shocking question. Be like, oh, this person like did their research. They're interested in PMM as like a whole and like the industry landscape. That's a way more interesting question to ask. And you can actually have a conversation off of it. If I just tell you how much I make, it's like a number. And then the question is over. You're not going to get much more insight off of that from me. Whereas like we can have a conversation about product marketing and like all of that other stuff. If you ask that more interesting question that you gave an example of. Okay. So let's play good informational interview, bad informational interview. So let's talk about a good informational interview. Tell me more about what that looks like. Yeah. I love when people start with an agenda. They're like, I'd love to start off by introducing myself and then we can dig into some questions. I've already read a lot about you, so we can skip your intro if that's all right. I'm like, yes. Off the bat, it's clear you did your research and we get to the fun part, which is like us having a conversation and you remember to introduce yourself. The amount of times that people forget to intro themselves is like a little bit wild to me. It's like if you're in business school, they teach you how to do your elevator pitch. So like that should be first on your list of things to do. And then let's get into some questions. And then on the question point is like being more of a deep dive question. There's like plenty of things you can find out online about people. That low hanging fruit is easy to find if you know how to Google. Just make sure that like you're asking those open ended questions. Al just gave an example of where it's not like a one word answer. If it's a one word answer, it's really hard to have a conversation about it. So like those open ended questions where you are giving the other person space to formulate a conversation with you 
I think is a lot more interesting than those like one word, like yes or no kind of questions. And then like effective transitions between those questions. And that's to your point of having a more organic, natural conversation that takes practice. That's not necessarily something you'll be great off, like right off the bat. And if I have a conversation with somebody who's like a first year in like August, I'm not going to expect that type of conversation. I'm going to be more like generous about, oh, like they're still learning how to do this and I'll be a lot more chill about it. But first year in like March, it's like you should have done so many of these that like you can probably transition between your questions a little bit more naturally instead of just being like, all right, next question. And then it's just like awkward moving from one to the other, which is definitely something I did in the beginning. And I talked about that earlier, but you can use phrases like, oh, that response dovetails really well into the next question that I have. Or like your point about X, Y, or Z things reminds me of this thing that I experienced in my previous career. Make it more like of a transition between the different pieces of your conversation rather than, like I said, the script way, which is definitely something I did in the beginning and takes practice. But it is something that to me is like a marker of a good informational interview. Yeah, I think those are all really great characteristics of a good informational interview. One thing I wanted to follow up with you on For example, some of the things you just said, how do you manage that in the sense of objectively what you're suggesting in terms of what makes a good informational interview? I think most people would agree that they're good things, but I also know everyone's got different communication styles and we all have diverse backgrounds. For example, I honestly, I don't always need to hear all the nitty gritty details of someone's background because I really do make an attempt particularly if they reach out to me on LinkedIn to take a look at their LinkedIn profile before I talk to them. I'll study it and I have a sense in my head of what their background is. And while I don't mind hearing some of it, I don't need all of it. And every now and then I'll just, if I, someone's going on for too long, I'll just say, Hey, let's just chat because you've got a great profile. I know where you went to school and I know you're a first year. So let's talk because some of those questions are already answered and I want to make sure you get what you need um, out of this conversation, but I'm an entirely different person and you could be different. Someone else could be different. So I guess what I'm asking you is how do you reconcile that for MBA students? How do we help them reconcile that? Because again, objectively what you're suggesting, all the are all good things. And I would agree with all of them, but I also know we're all diverse. We're all different and we have our own communication styles. How can you prepare as well as maybe manage through something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think like starting off with an agenda and like asking the other person, does that sound okay to you? Would give you the out of, oh no, like I've already looked at you on LinkedIn. Let's just dive into the questions because that's more fun for you. Like for me, like I often don't look at LinkedIn before I meet with somebody. A lot of the time it's just because I don't have the time to do that. And so it's nice for me to, that I know somebody is prepared and ready to give me their little like spiel. But yeah, like I think asking somebody that's receiving the informational interview from you, if something's okay, or, oh, this is the way I typically run my informational interviews. Does that work for you? Gives the professional alumni, whoever it is that you're talking to, the chance to be like, oh, I actually prefer it this way. Or, oh, that sounds great to me. And then your type of style, I don't expect everybody to do this in the like same cookie cutter way, obviously, to your point, these are things that like I prefer (laughs) and you have to do something that feels like normal and natural to you. But I do think like setting the stage in some way, however it is that you want to do that does give the person on the other end of the phone, like 
some idea of what's going to happen and where it's going. And as a former teacher, I just appreciate the idea of an agenda. So I don't feel like the 30 minutes is just going to be like wild and I don't know what's going on. (laughs) For sure. I think you're right. I think you give an agenda, you give them an out in the off chance the approach isn't going to work. And that way they can say it does work or it leads you down a different route. And over time, you will become more adept in being able to pivot on the fly if you need to. It gets better through time the more that you do it. Like I said, going with the training wheels and the two-wheeler analogy from before. And while the first time you get thrown off guard, it may be tough, it's okay. It's a learning process. That's totally fine. But it is good to acknowledge that people communicate differently, and it is good to be able to learn how to communicate best with diverse groups of people. So quick shout out to my old employer, Deloitte. They have a great tool called Business Chemistry, which is a business personality system, which enables you to understand different communication styles. It also enables you to understand your own style and also put it in the show notes so people can learn more about it. But if you ever want to get better at learning how to communicate effectively with other people, it starts first with knowing your own style. It starts with being able to assess what other people's styles are, and then you can make some modifications or flexes a little bit to mirror and communicate in a style that is most effective to the person that you're talking with. If you do run into someone, maybe a little bit like me, who's just get straight to the point, you'll know like, all right, like we can be a little bit more direct versus other people who might do it a little bit differently. Again, I'll put the business chemistry in the show notes, but I've just found it as an immensely helpful tool that I use all the time in practice when I'm working with different people, because I know we're all different. And it's good to acknowledge though, for the sake of informational interviews, that sometimes there's not a cookie cutter one right way. But generally speaking, Allie, I love all the things about what you said make a good interview. I actually have a question for you. I would love to hear your thoughts on whether or not people should be transparent about the fact of whether they're new at doing informational interviews with somebody that they're chatting with. Like, I'm relatively new to doing informational interviews like this. I've practiced with some of my colleagues, but I just wanted you to like have that heads up. If I'm feeling stiff or scripted, it's because like I'm still learning. Wow. I think that's a really great question. Let me think. As I think, number one, personally, I have an appreciation for honesty and empathy. So if someone were to say that to me in a conversation, I think that I would put my guard down right away and just be like, okay, great. Thanks for your honesty. And I would try to meet them where they were. Because I know that might be a little bit of a vulnerable thing to say, and I can absolutely appreciate that vulnerability. I think also, particularly if you're talking to an MBA alum, if you mention something like that, I think they're going to understand, particularly if you're a first year. Like to your point, if you're a first year early on, like they're going to get it. They were in your shoes. And I think they're going to respect the fact that you're open and honest. What I would say, and again, maybe this is just the marketer in me that's always thinking about the messaging and positioning, but the way that I might think about it or I might say it, and I'm riffing here because it's a good question I'm thinking on the fly, but I might say something like, I'm really excited to talk to you because I'm just starting my journey in business school and really getting to know and ask some thoughtful questions for this people in this particular field. And I would love to just start off this and just using languages that emphasize that you're very early on that you're really eager to be there, that you're excited to meet them and you're grateful for the time, but you're still in your early stages. But then again, that's just me being a product marketer and thinking about the message and position. But at the end of the day, like I said, if you are being honest and transparent in something like that, I think that the types of people that you would want to build relationships with 
are going to have a lot of empathy and respect and respond in a very positive way. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, yes. I agree with that. I think if you phrase it more like me, which I realize now sounds more apologetic, or if you spin it well, like Al does, like either way, I feel like my response as an alumni now or like a professional doing informationals would be like, oh, I totally remember what that will guide you through this. Like we will get through it together. And I think I would be a lot like more warm and, and gentle with the conversation if I knew upfront that like they were new to the process. I think as MBAs, we tend to be very type A and like very much like I want to be perceived as I already know how to do these things. And like, I'm already good at them. And that's our default. And I think acting against that and realizing that it's okay to have that beginner's mind and it's okay to be learning something and put on your growth mindset hat and let's learn how to do this together. It's okay to get stumble or fall, but the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And I think being transparent about that, however you spin it, I think is a good way to get off on a good foot with someone. That's great. I love that. I'm really glad you asked that question. That's a really good question and a really great approach. So if you're out there, someone who... If you are someone who's out there who's maybe this is a little bit nerve wracking, I think you should take Allie's message to heart. Okay, so we talked about the good. Let's talk about the bad. What are some of the common mistakes that you see with informational interviews or what makes a bad informational interview? Oh my gosh. We talked about the transactional thing. If you ask me like yes or no questions, I'm like, ugh, okay, here we go. The other one, and I've only heard this happen recently, and I don't know if I'm just like not in the loop on like how first years are being trained on how to do informationals anymore, but people are asking me to ask them questions. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're here to learn like from me and like what something about my role or function or journey as a professional, like that t- has taken me off guard the last couple of times I've heard it in, in the last few months. Not a winner for me. Maybe other people feel differently. I've said this a lot before, like not being prepared. They fumble around a lot. Their questions sound really scripted or even less scripted. And just there aren't very many of them. I've had informational interviews that last 10 minutes. And I'm like, why did we do this? It seems more like a checkbox thing at that point. And then I said this earlier, but like you have obviously a different opinion. Please introduce yourself. If somebody like Al is, you know, snooping on you beforehand, that's great. Give that that agenda first and ask if it's okay to introduce yourself. And then people like me who really want to hear that intro will see us. Fair enough. One thing I would add is that even if I am looking at your LinkedIn profile, it's fine to give your intro totally, but try to be succinct. And I would say that in the sense that if you're going to talk to someone, you don't need to tell them everything right away, because I think it's naturally going to come out in the conversation. Uh, Then just again, sometimes it's hard to see this when you're going through it. But if you're going to have 30 minutes to talk to someone and you want to start off by giving a background of yourself and you spend the first five to seven minutes just giving a background of who you are, think about that from the notion of this whole thing, which is a two-way conversation. So you've literally just spent the first 15% of the call talking singularly one way about your background and you haven't asked any questions about them or the topic that you're getting into. And so I think my feedback there is it's totally fine to do an intro. But just understand you don't need to tell everything right off the bat. It will naturally come out through the conversation. Yeah. Like under a minute, two minutes, if you really have a lot to talk about. (laughs) One other thing I wanted to ask you about, because someone actually asked me for their advice on this, uh, not an MBA student, but just someone in general is, what's your stance on when people ask, can you connect me with someone else at your company? I'm fine with that if they have a more targeted like idea of what they're looking for. 
if it's just like a general, I don't want to chat with someone else, it's okay, but who, what, what type of team, what type of role, especially if you're talking to an MBA alum, like we have pretty extensive networks of people that either we went to school with or we work with now, like both. There's a lot of people that we could connect you with. So if you're interested in something specific, if you've done your research beforehand, that type of question can be catered a lot better to whoever it is that you're asking. If you come prepared to the question like, oh, I noticed you're connected with this other product marketer that you work with on this different team that you're clearly not on. Is it okay? If, can you reach out and see if they'd be willing to chat with me? That's a much better question to me than that very open-ended. Like, is there anybody else that you know of, which is like a very long list? I'm sure you feel similarly. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I would say is, I think it's totally within your right to ask. And if you can be specific, and grateful and all of that. And just understand that there will be some people who are like, yes, absolutely. And there are other people who may not be as comfortable. I don't think there's any problem asking. And I'm just acknowledging that some people have varying levels of comfort in terms of what they're able to do. And also too, it's particularly if it's the first time you're engaging with them. It's one thing if it's a close friend of yours who is asking, I think, because you've known them forever. And if a close friend were to ask me, I'd say, yeah, of course. But if it was someone who I'd never met before or was meeting for the first time, I might be a little bit more hesitant um, to do that. And as you think about that, maybe keep that in mind in terms of the warmth of the relationship that you have with an individual and making that ask. Because sometimes people just aren't as comfortable when you don't know them. These are just things to be mindful of. But I definitely agree that it's great to ask. And the more specific you can be, the better. Okay, so another question for you. How did you get better at them? I know we talked a little bit about this, but I know you said it was practice, but what really helped you get to that next level where you not only were having good informational interviews, but you were what you were gaining from them was getting you to the point where it was helping you ask better questions or was getting you insights you needed to keep moving forward. Yeah, definitely. As my dad always said, practice, but we've chatted about that already. Make sure that you're having conversations with your either like second year mentors or like a career advisor. And then once you've got a good handle on it, then start reaching out to professionals. But like on a more tactical note, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, scaffold yourself, come prepared with written questions for things that you are curious about. That was really helpful for me. It made me more confident. It made me ready to have a conversation because I wasn't just grasping in the dark to figure out what I wanted to talk about. I knew going in what my goal was and like having this conversation and then we've chatted about this a little bit too, but being attentive during the conversation. So you can do one of two things. You can A, choose the next best question on your list. So you're not just running through them like they're a script. Or B, like pivot onto a completely different question that you may not have written out beforehand based on what the other person said. And Mal has been demonstrating that throughout the entire conversation that we've been having here. He'll pick up on something that I say and then ask like a follow-up or a drill down question to make our conversation better, more interesting, uh, more detailed, whatever. And that's just like a result of all the practice. <laughs> so that are, I think is, are the things that made me the best at doing informational interviews is just using that question as like my touchstone and making me more comfortable. And then as I got better at them, just removing that from the equation. I think that's great advice. And I think that's the great progression of how you started and where you got to. Believe it or not, I feel like we covered as much about a topic as you can cover on informational interviews. And so thank you so much for being here. 
And thanks for going on the journey with me to talk about this. And before we close out, Allie, maybe just one last question. What's your advice, your last parting words in terms of how to conduct an effective and memorable informational interview? I think it all comes down to being genuinely interested in the questions that you are asking, because it comes across with whoever it is that you're informational interviewing with. Don't do informational interviews like Al and I were talking about earlier, just to check the box or just to say like, I networked. Reach out to people when you're genuinely interested in what they do for a living or what their career looks like on LinkedIn. I know personally, like if you looked at my LinkedIn, I have like education all the way through it. And then all of a sudden I work in high tech. So yeah, there are probably some questions you might have about that. Ask and reach out to those people where you actually can form a really interesting conversation for both parties that would be engaging and insightful on top of all of those other uh, things that I already mentioned throughout our conversation. I think being genuine, being yourself, being prepared and following up with someone after they spend time with you, I think makes for a killer informational interview. Great thoughts, Allie. Thank you so much for being here, for joining me today, uh, for talking all about informational interviews and for always being a wonderful MBA school community member and supporter of the MBA Insider Podcast. I appreciate you for joining me today. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.